Well, friends, family, associates, and any other words you describe people watching the show, Tim and I did fellow, something. Fellow Americans. Fellow Americans and wherever else you may listen in the world. This is a broadcast. This is a show that we don't care where you're listening from. At least and everyone is invited. Exactly. Tim and I did something recently that we had never done before for this show. And it was pretty exciting. Something I yeah. hadn't done in several years because the old Coco. Um, at least I don't think I had. I mean, I've done a lot of talks on stages before. But I had, and actually, I may have never may have never done a live interview in this setting before either. Yeah. So this might have been a first, a first overall for me on many fronts. Yeah, definitely first live uh, live podcast that we've ever done. And mm -hmm. we had yeah. 133 under our belt, so that's almost three years worth. Yeah, uh, this really cool cat uh, came to town, put on a, a big event. You want to tell the yeah. world? Uh, what was his name? For for Pharrell? Mr. Pharrell. Williams. Yes, Mr. Yep. Pharrell Williams came to town and brought people together in ways that uh I don't know. Has has anything ever happened like that before? Uh I mean, we had something in the water that's a little centered around music, but has anything that big, that big of a production ever been uh done that centered on entrepreneurship and uh supporting founders? I don't know. I don't think so. I can't I can't think of anything that actually was executed to that extent. Obviously, we both have done events on a lot smaller scale. Um, whether it be a start Norfolk, a start peninsula, the drop anchor event that I tried getting on at one point. That was, I guess, similar from a you know community yeah. entrepreneurship building. That ended up never even happening. Right. Um I had to cancel that a, a week or two beforehand just because the numbers weren't working. By the way, that's a terrible thing to do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was great. I, I don't know how many people were there. The 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 main tent was a really cool, like white igloo that was in a big uh, field next to uh, the mall. And what was interesting is about a week or two before I had driven by that, just because that's the way that I normally go to downtown Norfolk. And I'm like, oh, they're putting up the ice skating rink really early, and it's mm. really big this year. <laughs> And it wasn't the ice skating rink. It was. I the, ran into um, somebody, and they said that they put that tent up and like extremely fast. Like it yeah, was just two, insane. Three days. Yeah, and I, I don't know where they got the tent from. Um, maybe it's one of the ones that they tried using in Fire Festival, so you could get a lot of them for cheap. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, Pharrell had an event called Mighty Dream Forum that was celebrating entrepreneurship, celebrating. Um, uh, the culture of the 757, many other things. Uh, and we were invited to to do the Fervent Four show live. We were, um, we did three interviews. This is one of them. Um, you, you, you spent some time with Antonio the day before as well, right? I did. I did. What did you guys talk about? Uh, so it was centered a lot on collaboration uh, because everyone's trying to do events um, and how do we collaborate in a better way to create that density? Something that we always talk about, you and I, Zach, is uh, when you're doing events, th that that density or the number of people in one event is something that we're always looking to create because that's where the magic happens. Uh, so how do how can we work together in a way that 
we can bring the most people into an event so that that density can be created. I thought it was interesting that it seemed like a lot of groups, not it seemed, there were a lot of groups that do similar things that were just welcomed and people enjoyed that. And it was great where I think historically, if you were to try to get some of those groups together, maybe not those groups, but, but, but groups together in, in, in the seven, five, seven, maybe people would not be as collaborative. So that was cool to see. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about it. I think that the only non-local brand that was promoted may have been um, liquid death water. I can't, I, I think that everything else was totally local. The mighty dream had a, a beer that was done by smart mouth, crunchy water mm -hmm. was there. Um, all the food that was provided was all done by local restaurants. Um, everything was local music. Yeah. There's a couple of people that came in just that spoke that seemed like they weren't from here. Maybe yeah. But from a, yeah, from but... a, from a brand, a consumable brand standpoint, uh, really well done in terms of the local focus. And that's probably just because there wasn't water available by a local company. Right. Right. I mean, is there right, 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 right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So, uh, Antonio Dow is the creator of a cool event, the high tide cannabis summit. Uh, he did that on 420 of 22, I believe, and was able to really bring together some some interesting um, aspects of the, the cannabis world. Uh, he's big on education. Uh, we talk about that. Uh, we talk about the financial industry and several other things. And um, it was it was fun because I had never met him before uh, mm -hmm. until, I don't know, 13 seconds before we went on. And right. um, so I, I always enjoy situations like that. And um any major takeaway for you on this? Yeah, I thought for me anyway, the biggest takeaway was like you, we didn't, we didn't know Antonio. Um, I knew of the event. I didn't know him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but like the thing is, and then it was typically we, our shows are an hour long and this, there were 30 minutes and it's, and some people it takes them a little while to get comfortable to talk about certain things. So, uh, so that changed things in a different way. Um, but the thing that I really liked that we were able to dig into was, and that was totally unexpected, was talking about failure, embracing failure, and embracing mentors. I thought that those were two things that, that going into that interview, I never would have expected that that would have been something to come out of it. So his take on those two things were were awesome. I, you know, so that from that standpoint, well worth the listen. Yeah, his, his failure story is quite... Um... I think when most people think about failure, I don't think they have kind of the things behind what he had uh, and the amount of time that he was willing to, to just wait for it to happen. I mean, an incredible amount. So yep. uh, enjoy, enjoy this episode. Okay. So for about 50 or 60 of these episodes, we've done 133. I had to start the show by reading this record or uh, this script that we agreed upon. And last night, when I was in bed thinking about this, I could do it from memory. You gonna give it a go? Do you think I can do it right now? That would explain what the Fervent Four show is. The challenge is I can't even think of the first 
Okay, I got it. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Fervent Four. And that's all I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so the premise behind the Fervent Four is only 4% of businesses make it to the $1 million annual revenue mark. And the whole, whole idea was that COVID happened, and we're a platform for founders to share what they're doing, talk about the problem that's being solved, talk about the solution, and just give them a voice. So we tried it out as soon as uh, everything was shut down in COVID just to see who would listen. Yep, so March 2020, you know, the world ended, and Tim and I did an episode, and then every Thursday at 11 a.m. since, we've done the show mostly live, and this is our first uh, live and uh, in-person That's right. situation. So thank you all for being here. You can I'm check Zach us out. Miller. I'm Tim Ryan. You can check us out every Thursday at 11, startwheel.org or youtube.com slash startwheel. But this is the founders platform. So any founder out there that wants to share their story, we heard a lot about storytelling this week, but this is about sharing your story, getting the word out there about your business. And anybody can be a guest. Go to, uh, to startwheel.org, hit uh, request to be a guest, and uh, we'll get you scheduled. So, quick rundown on how we're going to do this today. We're going to have three guests. They're going to talk for about 30 minutes each, and let's kick things off. Let's go. Today, our first guest has a name that starts with the first letter of the alphabet. You got it. Antonio. Antonio Dow. Come on down. You're the next contestant. How's it going? Going well, man. Thank you. Welcome. How's everybody doing? Good. Doing great. Yeah, all right, I'm, dig I'm digging your shoes. Thank you, man. We both got the Pumas on. Yeah, it's my favorite. I love Pumas. I love it. I'm supposed to say that out loud. They don't pay me. How long have you been wearing Pumas? We're not supposed to talk. They're not paying me. I don't want to talk about Puma. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I, just, I love Puma. I, mean, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so you... <laughs> this is fun. So uh, you and I have met about 45 seconds ago. Yeah. I know very little about you. And what I love about doing this show with people that I don't know anything about is it's just like we're at a bar, at a restaurant, at a coffee shop, meet and greet the first time, and it can be very genuine and, and very raw in that. You and Tim had talked for a little while yesterday, but um, if, if you met someone first time, just like me, and you were in an elevator, what, how would you introduce yourself to them? Wow. The elevator is a really quick ride, so... Let's say it's the Empire State Building's elevator. All the way to the top? Yeah. All right. Um, first of all, I'm born and raised where we are, um, which is important to me to make sure people know where I'm from because this place is the only reason I've got to where I am. But if I had to give a quick explanation, I am a... By day, I'm a tour manager, tour producer... Um, I work for record labels. Um, I have a marketing background, so I do like political entertainment marketing for politicians to get young black people in the voting systems. Um, I also work with the state and a lot of our local politicians as we're onboarding legal cannabis. So um, I don't know if that's how it would come out in an elevator, but 
it's about three major things that I feel like I'm focused on in my career right now, from production to my political aspirations to um, dealing with legal medical cannabis education. Yeah, with, uh, with that, we had a chance to talk yesterday and you've done, uh, done some traveling. Or we were just talking about how an event like this, I mean, it's just, it's just great. I love meeting people that I've not met before, getting involved with different organizations that I, haven't, that I don't know anything about. And uh, you put on some pretty cool stuff here in this area. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, <clears throat> this year alone, we've done some really big projects um, in April. Uh, my partner and co-founder, um, family and I, we produced an event called the High Tide Cannabis Summit on 420 earlier this year. And um, the Cannabis Summit was put together to open up conversations among people who don't usually have the hard conversations about what the medical cannabis industry really looks like. Um, Virginia is a, is a growing state, <clears throat> and um, it was important to us to put that together so you have Commonwealth attorneys from two multiple cities. You had a mayor. Um, we brought out a few important celebrities to kind of just add some flash to it, but ones that had something to do with the topic, so it was relevant. Um, and it ended up being one of the largest educational cannabis forums in the state, and it's got so many accolades that we're going to bring it back next year and do it for two days. I probably that's the first time anybody's heard that, but we are. Wow, that's um, awesome. How many people did you, uh, did you estimate that it were in attendance? So we only opened the summit itself up um, to, we, we opened up 600 tickets because it was free. Um, and it was over in, in Portsmouth at, um, at the Hilton. Um, and then later that night we did a concert to kind of end it all. And um, so throughout the day, you've probably seen about 4,000 people um, on a year one event, which was just, it was wild. Um, and then a couple months later, we turned around and did this thing called the R&B Block Party, which has just become a monster of its own. Um, we did it on Labor Day, September 3rd, and um, had about 1,100 paid tickets, about 1,300 people there total. Um, and then we put it back up about 30 days later, 40 days later, um, on October the 14th, and you had 5,200 people there, wow. um, which is a very big change. So I, I, I like to think that I threw some nice parties in college with 20 people that attended. Um, you know, I'd buy like a keg or something and a couple of pizzas and people would, would throw me money for that. So 5,000 is an incredible mark. Tim and I talk with a lot of business owners and a lot of them struggle with being able to obtain customers, get those customers to pay, get them to show up, get them to do anything really. And with the marketing background, you have the focus of the events and then the political campaigns trying to get uh, younger black uh, individuals to, to sign up, to actually vote. Very incredibly uh, difficult things um, for many people uh, to accomplish, and you're getting thousands of people to do this. Is there a special sauce that you're able to, that you've been able to tackle this, or are you just people like you? Like what, how have you been able to get thousands of people to do the thing that you want them to do? Um, we've been able to find the like missing holes in the market, honestly. Um, kind of feel like a, find a niche and just make it better. Um, I wouldn't say it's just people like me, man. People like cool, safe, cultural changing things. That's why we're, we're all here. 
Um, so from something like the Cannabis Summit, um, it, it was kind of like a, a stigmatized conversation. So what I've just tried to do is make everything a lot more basic. I don't, I don't try to like be fancy with marketing, right? Like most of the time you can just be very basic with what you do and, and it'll work. So I, I have never tried to reinvent the wheel, man. I've copied successful people like a smart person should, um, which has been like a win for us. One of my business partners is in here and he and I, Leon and I talk all the time, man, just about doing what you're good at and not really trying to worry about why it won't work and just try what you think will work and like fix it as you go. Um, and that's, that was our motto with the block party, right? Like we had no idea. Um, and we just kind of, you, you build the plane as you're flying it almost. So um, I had a mentor of mine earlier this year um, tell me that he feels like I've learned how to fail fast and that's why I succeed. So I tell people if, if I have to give them any advice, fail faster, like get to your losses quicker so you can get to your wins. How do you define a fail in that case? Anything that teaches you. Um, so I don't even know if fail is the actual word. I, I hate the word fail because yeah. I think it's, it's, you're, you're learning so much from that. I feel like yeah. you're failing if you're not learning from that thing, right? from that mistake. Okay, this thing didn't work. And it's, I think it's, it's incredibly important to be like, oh, okay, this didn't work. I didn't necessarily fail, right. but I've learned from it. Now I'm not going to make that mistake again and go from right. it. Is there any of those experience through the last few years that you've seen that you've made some mistakes from? Man, I have more mistakes. Uh, examples than success examples, to be honest. Um, I, I quit my radio job when I was 22 and um, jumped into live event production with no experience outside of what I had seen working in radio and um, immediately ran into hardship and trying to actually figure out what entrepreneur or what a self-sustained business actually is. Um, so like a honest, like my first, to give you a story of the first thing that kind of, that I learned from was, um, we had did a, a show um, where like, Diddy was doing his bad boy reunion tour. And I just knew I was smarter than the average bear because it wasn't coming here. So I tried to book everybody that was affordable can't afford him, but I, I won't name drop, but anybody that you can think of that came from like P. Diddy's camp at that time. And I, I'm like, it's not gonna come here. So people are gonna go see this show and blah, blah, blah. We sold like 500 tickets. And um, that day I realized like you, you're not always right. Cause I was bullheaded and um, I found a strength in listening to others from that. So my biggest learning curve or I guess you're gonna make me stop using the word fail. Actually, I'm sitting here thinking about it subconsciously. Um, it became so popular of a word, you know, the word failure. And yeah. you're, you're like, ah, well, maybe I didn't fail. Right, so I mean, having those uh, hardships just made it easier for me to listen to others. And that's, that's actually been my strength. I, I lean on the opinion of people that I trust. Yeah, cause, uh, so my question on that is, were you ever afraid to fail? And if so, how many times did you have to fail before you became comfortable with the idea that it's a possibility? 
I was four years in before I had a show that actually made money. So, I mean, we were doing like three or four or five shows a year. Um, they look good from the outside, you know, but you owe bills at the end of the night. So, it, it took a while. If, if 10,000 hours is a real thing, um, I'm still not there. Um, so, yeah, man, like, <laughs> I have. I've, I've, I say it all the time. I've had more failures or more things to learn from than things that I've actually succeeded at. Um, but it's just the successes stick out more. Because Zach and I, we've worked with thousands of founders. And, and, and there is such a fear of failure. And it's like, nah. man, you just... You just got to get past it. Yeah, and if, I mean, I really if you have anything to like lose, it's like you have I, to I, embrace it. Yeah, embrace the failure. A lot of people, you know, say they, you know, I did this on my own or I created this and nobody helped me. But there was a point in my life where like I was really dealing with it. I was really trying to figure out what this thing was, and I didn't have anybody to ask and rely on because I didn't know anybody who did what I was trying to do. And fast forward ten years from now, you may look at the crowds that you're bringing in and look back at last year and say, man, I started with only 5,000 people and that would be a, a huge failure 10 years from now. Yeah. I'm interested in how you've pushed past the stigma of cannabis. If you think about it, growing up, we were told this thing is terrible for you. You can't do it, stay away from it, et cetera, et cetera. Now that you know, the paradigm shifted and it's, it's becoming globally accepted. There's a lot more data on it. But I think to our parents, our grandparents, maybe a lot of teachers out there, a lot of the, our mentors, they probably still look at it as a negative thing. But you're creating events around that, pushing awareness around that. Uh, how are you pushing back towards those, the negative connotation of, of cannabis in what you're doing? Education. I think uh, most people who have any stigma or any um, anything bad to say about it just aren't educated enough. And it was the exact reason we put the Cannabis Summit together. I have leaned on education to open up the conversation about cannabis the entire way. I don't let people inside of a conversation, you know, even use words incorrectly when I'm talking to politicians, right? Like, you have to make sure that you're easy about it because it is a hard conversation and there are so many stigmas. We've all seen like that weed crazy video from like the 60s with people's hair all, have you seen that shit? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so um, you, you have to have a delicacy with it but you also have to have an intention and my intention was just to educate. So when I went to city government and when we were putting this event together, anytime anything came up in the conversation outside of education, I just, I didn't let it live. Because if you go out west, if you, we talked about traveling, you know, it's medicine when you go there. It's, it's not anything else. Um, and I'm just trying to create that here. So the only thing that I could do to push past it was lean on what it is, is try to educate the miseducated. What's, what's going on with the financial institutions right now and, and cannabis? I remember we had invested in a company 10 years ago, and uh, they had made a pivot towards um, a marijuana social network. I think they raised a little bit of money, and all this money went to, to the local bank here. 
And the local banker called me and was like, hey, what, is this, what does this company do? And I guess they had done their research and they were a marijuana social network, or at least that, that was how, how she described it. Not even doing anything with yeah. the product. And, and I think they have a couple million bucks in the bank and they were like, we have to close that account. Is, is, are you still getting the runaround from that? Or is, is there anything from that? Where yeah, I mean, that's funny, man, because that just happened to me. Um, we opened our account for the Cannabis Summit at said bank here, and um, everything was fine. I mean, cannabis is in the title of the event, um, but they you know, knew it was an educational forum. Um, two weeks later, we get a letter in the mail with a check with all the money that was in our account. And um, where the FDIC is right now, there's so much cash flow through the marijuana business that Banks have like, you know, they have their regulatory systems. How are they going to make money off of the money? So when you take this influx of money that's going to come from legal cannabis, if you ask me my opinion, they're just waiting to try to figure out how to hmm. do something, how to take your money, my money, and your money, and give it to her with an interest rate. So I think we're in a situation right now where once the FDIC and the regulatory systems of banking actually figure out what you can and can't do with the money or if there's going to be, you know, certain levels or certain type of accounts, is it going to be just a regular checking account for a cannabis? Like, I, there's so many induendos that have to be figured out. I just, I don't think we're close, man, if you want my honest opinion. I don't think the Would banks... You, if you had to put a, uh, a number on that in terms of years, do you think, is it two years, five years, ten years? Um, I don't know. I think what's going to be the uh, domino effect is, um, you know, we've, we've decriminalized in certain areas, but in other places, man, cannabis is a higher scheduled drug right now than like fentanyl. Right. It's crazy. Okay. So <laughs> um, how you have to even get past that first before we can worry about the money. Interesting. What, I want to jump back to uh, the event side of things uh, because promoting and getting people to attend is something that's everybody. We try really, really hard here to have well-attended events. Is there something missing in this area? What can we do to build upon Mighty Dream, what you've done, what the startup community is doing? What, what can we do to build upon this? And is there something that you see that's missing? Um, I, I think we have to continue to give access. I think um, access to opportunity is the biggest issue that we have in this area. I say it all the time, the barrier of entry for young people here is just too high, bro. Like, there aren't very many industries where you can like fall into an opportunity here. Like you can walk out of your house in California, walk out of your house in an Atlanta, Georgia now and, and fall into an opportunity. So. What we have to do here is, in my opinion, and what I'm trying to do is continue to create access. It's why the Cannabis Summit was free, right? We didn't charge people to educate them. I think what Pharrell is doing with this forum and having free options for people to hear discussions of things that sometimes people want to know shit that they don't even ask you. So if it's easier, I apologize for cursing, if it's easier to go to a forum or something where you could just listen and speak, that's giving access. So just putting things on the table that actually allow the growth. 
um, is what I think will help change this area. So continue to you know, do it's, what you guys are doing as far as the access points. Yeah, I mean, it's just we're trying really, really hard to build that density. And yeah, uh, yeah open up to open for any ideas how we continue to build density because the more people that we have all pushing the same direction. You have to touch the people. The people have to know you even when you don't like it. They have to know you exist. You can't become an untouchable person and then turn around and want people to listen to you or you know, follow you or take your guidance or anything like that. Like people have to know that you do have a human element in, in what you're doing. So, so do you do you take that out of the digital realm and and make it face to face? So you get out of the office, you get out of the house, you you got the event, you know it's going to be on 420. Are you going to different businesses? Are you going to different people? Are you knocking on the doors? Like, what's that look like for you? Um, for me personally, um, yes, I did get from come from behind the computer and actually go meet with people and interact with, find out, just find out who's interested, right? Like you, you never know. I talked to everybody about it. The exact lady who closed my bank account is the same person who asked me for a ticket to the cannabis summit. So you, you just have to actually be in it. You can't sit behind a screen or you can't, you have to touch it. Do you, do you think that changes? I mean, I think a lot of people, it's interesting how you look at certain industries and people don't think entrepreneurially. But if you really peel back the onion and you look at it, it's like the key is just to do some uncomfortable things, meet some people and have a lot of conversations, maybe hear some no's in that situation. Yeah. And then from that, if you are eager and you push a little bit, you can learn from it, right? So I, yeah. about five years ago, I, I interviewed Damon John and I said, in business, when you hear no, what do you do? His response, it's probably like he said it before, a no is an absolute maybe. And he said, you can't stop at a no. You have to push it to that next level. Why is this the no? What else could we do to get this off of no to a yes, to a maybe, to whatever? And so I think so many entrepreneurs, so many founders, people thinking about situations like this, they got to get a little uncomfortable. And, and that's the key to it. Yeah, I mean, I may know my best friend. Like, I, I love hearing no that at least it's, a, it's closure. It's, it's, it right. lets me know that you heard me. You don't have to waste any more time. Right. And, and you just press. Yeah, and I mean, usually, like you said, like if somebody says no, you do want to ask why. person might tell you no and not even fully understand what you're trying to do. So um, I'm going to start telling people that no is an absolute yes. That was good. If you go on YouTube and you uh, search Damon John interviewed by Zach Miller, it'll be there. It's only 10 it. minutes long. It's great. <laughs> I'm going to watch it today. There you go. I want to touch on, uh, you, you mentioned mentorship. How many mentors do you have? When did you realize you needed a mentor? And how often do you talk to your mentors? Um, I would honestly say countless mentors at this point. I wouldn't even give it a number. I, like I said previously, man, if it's somebody that I learn from or somebody that I know, you know, is a multi-beneficial person, I try to lean on it. Um, but if I have to be direct, my business partners, um, my business partner is an occupational therapist. Okay, like, I, my bad. Um, and then, you know, family is another business partner. Like, my mentors, I talk to them every single day, and I, I lean on them very, very heavily. Um, I think it's that type of guidance, if you're gonna be an entrepreneur, is not optional, 
Like you have to have people that keep you. Do you alive. know that they're your mentor in that scenario? No. No. And that, that's something that people don't talk about. You don't know that that person is actually guiding you when it's actually happening. Yeah. And for me, it was, um, it gets a little weird because people are usually looking at me for the like advice or like the whatever you want to call it. So when you do have people that you can lean on for their opinion, um, you don't notice until it's like, I, I actually need to talk to this person. Like there's people that I call for no reason at all. What are you doing? And just start the conversation. You do a lot of, oh yeah, by the way, and get that opinion. But you, you have to at least try to do it every day. Talk to somebody that either inspires you, keeps you in line. I have a very big um, checks and balances system uh, in my life from my assistants to people that I work with. It's just, you have to have it. What's the best way for people to, uh, to connect with you? And uh, you got a last plug that you want to uh, push um, our audience to? Yeah, I got, I'm on social media. If you go on Instagram, it's uh, real Antonio. The word real, my, my name Antonio, then an underscore. Um, I don't mind like giving out my email either. It's uh, globalmusictouring at gmail.com. So if you want me there, I am. I'm accessible, like I said. Um, I don't. I don't hide. Man. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Um, no, I man. I think I appreciate this opportunity. Um, thank you guys so much for holding these open conversations. I'm excited to sit here and hear other people talk. Um, if I would have to say anything, kind of in a in a closing. Um, what you asked about what we can continue to do, I, I like that, that, that conversation to, to keep going. Continue to ask that question to everybody that you come in contact with here because everybody's gonna have a different opinion, but the access, man, and opening the conversation is, is the biggest thing that I appreciate you guys for doing, yes. and I ask you to continue. Because we all have different networks, and if we can bring yeah. these different networks together, we build that density, and density is what we need, so I, you got my support. No, thank you, guys. Add fuel to the fire. Antonio Dow, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Thank you, everyone. Okay. Thank you.